Welcome to the N.Digital. I'm your host, Blake Pinland, and we have some amazing questions and answers for you tonight. I uh, have the privilege of being joined with some awesome people. I'm gonna introduce, to, introduce you to them in just a little bit. But before I do, I wanna invite you to send in some questions, either on Facebook or on YouTube, on the comments. Let us know your questions about death because we're trying to ask the question, is death the end and find answers from the scriptures tonight? So we have some awesome people here to join us. I want to introduce them. Justin Tarosian, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great. That's awesome. <laughs> Happy okay. To be here. Happy to be here? Yes. Okay, I'm excited to hear from you. I just saw your episode from last night and I'm pretty excited uh, to dive into some of those questions as well too. Now, your lovely wife, Sharissa Tarosian. How are you doing this evening? I'm just like him. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to hearing the questions from everybody. Yes. Excellent. Awesome. And our faithful friend, Lyle Southwell, how are you doing tonight? Just absolutely stoked, Blake. Super <laughs> excited to get into the Bible, find out what the Bible says, and really looking forward to hearing what your questions are mm. as we get into tonight's Bible study. Well, before we get into those questions, I have an awesome free offer. I don't know if, I don't know if we can zoom in or not, but if you can look at this, I'll try to hold it up right here. Draining the sticks. If you text 705 to the number that you see on the screen, you can get this awesome book all about death by Sean Boonstra. You might know him from Canada. Actually, I don't know if he's Canadian or not, but he's a cool guy. And he's on the Canadian It Is Written uh, television show that answers some amazing questions. So if you want to get this book, text the number that you see on the screen, 705 to the number you see on the screen, and you can get your very own copy of this book. So let's dive in. Are Let's you guys go. ready? Let's go. Let's okay. go. <laughs> We've got a whole bunch of questions. We've got a, a great show in store for everyone. We've got questions here. I'm actually also looking forward to seeing the questions that are going to come in. But I want to get us started with the, the first question that we have here. Someone wrote in this question, and they asked us this question. It's a good question, too, because I've heard it before. Didn't Jesus promise the thief on the cross that he'd be with him in paradise that day? Mm. Now, that, that's something I've heard that many, many times. So what, how do we make sense of this? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. It's actually a very common one when it comes to the topic of death because people often refer to it and say, well, you know, Jesus promised the thief on the cross, you know, this day you will be with me in paradise. So they just stop there instead of looking at the rest of what the Bible has to say on the topic. Mm -hmm. But if we actually turn there together and, um, yeah, if we open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke... Uh, we see here that um, Jesus was there. There was the thief on the cross. Remember, he was crucified between two thieves. And um, yeah, the Bible actually tells us that uh, one of these thieves was, you know, railing accusations against Jesus. He was cursing him, etc. The other one, actually, as time went on, he changed his story. He changed his tune. And he actually realized Jesus is the Messiah. He saw the way that he was responding to the people who were reviling him. He saw the earthquake, the supernatural darkness, and he'd heard of Jesus' ministry before, no doubt. Hmm. Um, so this man actually turns to Jesus and he asks him, um, it says in Luke 23, verse 40, and actually looking at verse 41, he tells this other one that's cursing Jesus, he says, you know, we're here for the right reasons, but he says, we're here justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 43, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, 
And most Bible translations put the comma there, like the New King James that I'm reading. And it says, today you will be with me in paradise. But the Bible was originally written with no punctuation. And so the Greek New Testaments didn't have punctuation. They weren't added until for ease of reading until the 11th and 12th centuries. But when that happened, of course, it's a little tricky sometimes, like in this case, to know where it goes. Now listen to this. I'll read it two different ways to you. Okay. We'll go to one more verse and that, that'll answer it. So Jesus said to him, this is how most people read it. This is how it is with the comma as it's written in the New King James. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Hmm. But if you move the comma one word over, it reads this. Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Hmm. So... That's totally different. Yeah. So the question is, well, how do we actually know if he was with Jesus in paradise that day? Well, the answer comes a few chapters later in uh, chapter 24, where, and actually, sorry, John chapter 20, talking about after Jesus' resurrection, how Mary came to the tomb, she clung to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to her, and he said something very, very interesting to her. Um, It says in verse... 1417. Thank you. Yeah. So she realizes it's Jesus. She says, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Hmm. So if Jesus had gone to paradise with that thief that day, then he lied to Mary. Mm. But we know that Jesus cannot lie. The Bible says God cannot lie. Mm. Titus 1 verse 2. So clearly here, Jesus says he had not ascended to his father yet. So the thief on the cross couldn't have been with him that day in paradise, but the proper reading is, assuredly, I say to you today, today, while you see me dying on this cross, while you are there crucified, while everything looks grim and dark today, I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. So it's kind of like, even though the Greeks, well, at least the ancient Greeks, they're not using any punctuation, and it can be read either way, when you look at the evidence of the other scriptures, you can go, okay, that's the way that you need to read exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. So, because when you read it, it can be both. Verses. It can be both ways. But when you mm-hmm. compare the evidence of the rest of the scriptures, you go, okay, well, that's the only way that it can actually Exactly. Be. Especially okay. Jesus' words to Mary just a little while later. Well, I hope, that, I hope that helps our <laughs> listeners, and I hope that that answers that question. Um, it, it really helped for me as well, too. We're going to go to the next one here. Um, I'm actually going to uh, ask a question from uh, one of our listeners, Philip. Okay, now Philip writes in. I'm going to read this question because it's a little bit complicated, mm. but I think it's actually really useful to hear the whole context of the story. So here we go. So Philip writes in, Hi, friends. So already we know we're starting with a good relationship. So hi, friends. My mom is weeks away from passing, and she is bedridden. Her mind is back in her and our childhood. She had a miscarriage between the second and the third child, and there are actually five siblings. Anyway, my dad passed three years ago, and he kept saying that a little girl uh, came into the room the days before he passed, but there was no little girl, no little girl actually there. Now my mom is saying the same thing, but there is no one there. So my dad said it once when we were there, and then mom the same. How can you explain that? 
What's going on? That's a really good question. And it's really good to hear from our friend Philip again, because I remember him from a previous series. Um, We're sorry to hear about what's happening with your mum right now. And I guess this is actually not a very uncommon experience. Your your parents aren't the only ones who had experiences like this. Uh, We were talking just before the program, and we all acknowledged that we know people who are having this sort of experience all the time. So it's a very good question that you've raised. And to answer it, we can only give to you what the Bible says. We have to test all things by the Bible. And I want to share with you two texts, which I think shine light onto this question. The first one is in the book of Job, Job chapter 7, and I just highlight verses 9 and 10. Here the Bible says, As the cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come up. Verse 10, he shall never return to his house, nor shall his place know him anymore. And then if we cross check this text with another one in the book of Ecclesiastes, we will find another powerful um, insight from God's word on this question. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And actually, this was quoted multiple times in our series this week. But it's such a foundational text to this topic. You know, what happens when we die? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. The Bible reads, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So I guess for me, as a Bible-believing Christian, with these experiences, I test all things. We have to test them by the Word of God. We can't be led by our feelings or our experience. We test our experience and our feelings by this book, because this book is the Word of God. So even though our emotions and our feelings and our experiences can tell us one thing, um, you're saying that they actually can be manipulated by, by the devil? or by evil spirits? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I think as we keep going tonight, and we'll probably look at some other questions and uh, passages, where we're going to see that part of the reason why this is all so important to know what the Bible teaches is because it tells us that Satan will try to deceive many people um, through signs and wonders, through things that they can Mm -hmm. see, through, uh, through our senses. Um, at the end of time and in the world today. And so it's good to know um, what, the, what really the Bible says mm. on this. Well, I think this kind of leads into our next question. Um, how do you explain out-of-body experiences? I mean, mm. I, I know uh, in college I was friends with a, a few people who claimed to have these out-of-body experiences. Were they just making them up? Are they real? Are they fake? What, what's going on with that? Lyle, can you help us with that? Sure. And this is a really good question. Um, is something that is, once again, it's not that incredibly uncommon. It's certainly more uncommon than, um, you know, having experiences with ghosts and so forth. Mm. However, there are a number of ways that out-of-body experiences can take place. Uh, The first way is through drugs, and there are three different ways that that can happen. Uh, Through drugs, it can be in a hospital setting, it can be in a natural setting, we'll talk about that, or it can be just with recreational drugs. So, for instance, my friend, I had a friend when I was an apprentice who used to experiment with all kinds of recreational drugs, and he used to have out-of-body experiences. He used to float around the room. He used to look down on his body. He used to go through the tunnel. He would go towards the light, all of these kinds of things, and that was through the use of recreational drugs. Now, of course, when you're in a hospital setting, 
and particularly if you are in a hospital setting that is a life-threatening hospital setting. So you are, your, your life is at risk. There is every chance that you're going to be being hit with vastly more powerful drugs than what you're using in a recreational uh, environment. And so it would not be surprising for these same kinds of things to take place as a result of what is happening uh, in that hospital setting. The third, the, third, the third way that this happens, of course, is naturally. And when a, when a body begins to die, when, when your body begins to die, and some people come very close to death, you know, their heart shuts down, stops beating, all these kinds of things, your body is full of natural drugs. Mm. And when the body dies, of course, you know, the places in your body where these natural drugs are being stored and held and held back and released appropriately can just, you know, it just relaxes, it releases, everything goes straight out into, the, out into the bloodstream. And you can get a combination of that along with what is happening in the hospital setting, or you can get enough of that, you know, in a, in a natural setting, say, in a traumatic injury, where that can take place. And so there is definitely a, a drug-induced out-of-body experience that can happen, but I'm not going to discount the supernatural experience, mm. because once again, we know the Bible says that Satan goes around like a roaring lion. He's mm. trying to deceive as many as he can. Mm. The Bible says that his deceptions will be so powerful that if it was possible, they will deceive the most righteous people on earth. You'll find that in uh, Matthew 24 and verse 24. And so we mustn't discount the fact that Satan is out there and he is trying to deceive people. And by giving people these kinds of experiences, Satan has a very powerful deception because people will tend to go with their experience rather than what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And we should always go with what the Bible says because this is the Word of God. This is what we can trust. That's a good point, Lyle. And I, I recently injured my back and I took a ride in an ambulance and they gave me some stuff that it was a wild ride <laughs> and I'm just glad I'm back and I'm safe. So I, I, I can tell what's happening here is like those kind of things can happen and you're, you feel like your body is doing all sorts of things. But with the senses, they can be manipulated and changed without, mm. you know, actually having those things happen. So don't recommend riding ambulances. Actually, it's not fun. But um, what I want to do is take a minute to remind our listeners we have a free offer. So if you want to check this out, this is Draining the Sticks. And the little, uh, little subtitle here is Taking the Mystery Out of Death and Hell. And it's by Sean Boonstra. If you text 705 to the number that you see on the screen. Oh, I'm getting a little zoom in. Look at that action. I'm excited <laughs> about that. I'll hold it steady right here. So text, text the number that you see on the screen, uh, 705 to that number, 0428-833-386. And you can get this book in my hand. Now, i got big hands. It's actually a bigger book than you might think. Um, the second thing that we're going to do is we're going to jump into some more questions, but I want to invite our audience, if you have some questions about death, if you want to know, is death the end, or if you want to know about uh, some of the things that we've talked about earlier in the week, don't be afraid to send those uh, messages in uh, through either YouTube or Facebook, and we will answer your questions live here tonight. So you can check that out on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, both forward slash the end dot digital YouTube is just the end digital without any dots. We're going to jump into our next section of questions here that we already have. Kind of talking about this out-of-body experience, it's a, it's a difficult topic here, but 
doesn't the Bible say that Rachel's soul departed? Now, Lyle, you, you tackled the out-of-body experience. <laughs> What's going on with this? Okay, so this one you'll find in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 35, um, over here in verse 18. Uh, the Bible says, and this, of course, is telling the story of Rachel when she is about to pass away. Um, she passes away in childbirth. It's a tragic story. But in verse 18, the Bible says it came to pass as her soul uh, was... De- uh, we'll go back to verse 17. It came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Fear not, you will have a son. And it came to pass where it happened as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. And so the question is, what does it mean when the Bible says that her soul was departing? This has a very simple answer. The word for soul here is the Hebrew word nephesh. It is regularly translated as the word life. You'll find it translated in many places in the Bible as the word life. And if we simply translate it as it is elsewhere in the Bible, her life as her life was departing. In other words, as she was dying. The answer is that simple. There was not a ghost floating away. It was simply her life was passing away. She was passing away. So, so the word nefesh is synonymous with life. What, it, I'm pretty sure there's a Bible verse that says something about the spirit goes back to God. Yes, there is. So can you help me understand that? All so, right. Okay, we see the soul departing, but it, that's saying that the life is departing. Well, what about this whole spirit thing going back to God? I don't know where that is, but maybe you guys do. Yep. You'll find that uh, you've got it right for that. Justin's there oh, first. Where okay. is no, 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 go for it. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7. Uh, so basically, death is, is creation in reverse. God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Some okay. translations say man became a living soul. Mm-hmm. So soul is not something we have mostly when the Bible says the word soul, it's something we are, the whole person. But this verse says it's basically death is creation in reverse. It says, uh, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So the word for spirit, ruach, is translated as spirit. It also means breath. So that's one word in Hebrew for spirit and for breath. So essentially the breath leaves and God has a, a perfect memory of who that person is to resurrect them in, in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. In uh, Job chapter 27 and verse 3, the Bible makes this you know, even more clear right here where it says, All the while my breath is in me mm. and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here you find that the, the Bible talks about the spirit, the spirit that goes back to God, the breath of life that God gives to us. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts is it? It's in our nostrils. Now, does that mean you have a ghost in your nose? No. (laughs) The breath of life that returns to God is not a conscious entity. It is the gift of life that he gives, and then he takes it back when we die, and he gives it again when we are resurrected. Mm. Okay, so so the breath kind of breathes life in, and then uh, they kind of talk about he took his last breath. Uh, when, when people die, they, they've said that before. So that's kind of breathing out. And then at that point, there's this separation between nefesh and ruach. Is that right? Those two words? And then basically, the nefesh just becomes dust. And the ruach, I hope I'm saying that right. I don't speak Hebrew. But goes back to God, right? That spirit goes back yeah, to God. So you cease to be a living being. A living right. being when so you, you breathe your last yeah. and you know you just nothing. just become dust. Yeah. There's a great description of it in Psalms. Mm. Um, Psalms 104, verse 29. It says, You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, 
to spirit, you take away the spirit, they die and return to the dust. Yeah. But then you reverse that equation. Right. In other words, you're going to have a resurrection. And in the next verse, it says, you send forth your spirit, you send forth the breath of life, mm. and they are created, they're resurrected, and you renew the face so of the earth. So it's kind of like, mm. as a soul, there's four souls here. In this place right now, yes. plus, and, plus one more behind the scenes. <laughs> but you can't see him, but he's here. And that's even reflected in English. Someone will say, oh, that poor soul. Yeah. You're True. not saying this thing inside of someone. Right. Or SOS. Lyle pointed out in our last series, the end of time. You know, nobody actually thinks, oh, save our souls. Okay, they want us to just save part of their, you know, entity that will float away. No, save us. You know, save those of us who that's are here. Why, even, and that's echoing a biblical teaching because even in First Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, it talks about how eight souls were saved through water in the ark. Yeah. So They weren't ghosts. No. no. They were, because they, no were, they, were, we're, we're, they were our ancestors and yeah. we are not ghosts. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Okay, that, that's interesting, um, and it kind of helps me understand that a little bit better, the, the, the biblical understanding of, I guess what you call it, maybe the formula of life, mm-hmm. right? And you, mm-hmm. you take part of the formula out, there's no more life, mm-hmm. but you put it back together, that's when life happens. Yes. Now, we should probably add this. Um, there are some verses. So the Bible uses the word soul in two different ways. The primary way is it's us. We are a living soul. The soul that sins it shall die, you know, Ezekiel 18 says, and that means the person will die, right? But it does at times, like Jesus in Matthew 26 told the disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense in which your soul, and David talks about his soul groaning within him, where your soul is spoken of as your mind, you know, your innermost being. Uh, but it's not something you have, it's, it's you. Mm-hmm. And so that's just in case anybody was wondering, what about those verses where it, you know, uses the word soul in that way? Um, that's also another way that w- the Bible uses the word soul, but the two work together. Okay. And, and our mind dies when we die. You, Jesus said, right. my soul is sorrowful even unto death. Mm. That would be an irrelevant statement if the soul, soul was immortal. die. Great mm-hmm. point. Okay, I've got a, a question for you that we've just uh, had uh, texted in. I'm going to see if I can put it up here on the screen. It's from Paul Kemp. Um, and he asks the question here, what do you say about people who under hypnosis have recounted past lives? I think that's a good question. So what do you say to that? Everyone's going for I don't actually have the reference in my law, you may remember, but Paul says, I think I want to say First Corinthians, but he says, it is appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. So the Bible's clear. We don't have multiple lives where we come back and we're reincarnated as a different being. That's taught nowhere in scripture. Okay. So we're, we die once, and then you know, we're resurrected. We, we face the judgment of God, essentially. And so I would say, you know, if, if someone believes that they have encountered past lives, they're assuming that the experiences they're seeing, the thoughts they're having, the things they're seeing in hypnosis are past lives. But who's to say that they're not just a deception from the devil to get them to believe something that's not taught in the Bible, and that's reincarnation? So once again, if we test all things like 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says and hold on to that which passes the test of Scripture, when we run it through the filter of Scripture to see if it matches up or not, um, having multiple past lives is not something we find anywhere in the Bible, but contrarily, we find that we have one life here to live before we die and then we're resurrected in one of the resurrections. So I just want to follow up on that question here. I'm, I'm just trying to think, do we have any evidence... 
of the devil trying to deceive God's people? Like, I, I know it sounds like a, a simple question, but, <laughs> yeah. but like... From the very beginning. Yeah, okay, so from the very the beginning. In the book of Genesis, you know, the serpents, mm. he lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Mm. And the very first lie that he said yes. was, you will not really die. Yeah. yeah, and that's why Jesus calls him in John eight forty four the father of lies. He was the first one to ever lie. Like mm-hmm. he was the first one to ever sin. He he basically brought it into existence. So he works to deceive, and that's yeah, that's the way he operates. So, if the devil says that, you will surely not die. But doesn't God say that a little bit as well too? Like what? How how can we tell the difference? Because the devil is saying, hey, you will surely not die, but. Jesus also says, I believe in John 3.16, that surely you will not die. But there's some conditional aspects to that as well, too. Like, how can we tell the difference? Let let me read exactly what Jesus says. I think this is very significant. Um, If we go to John chapter 5. No, John. Yeah, well, John 5 is good, but John chapter 6. Now, watch this. Watch this closely. The Bible says in verse 53, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and, have, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Mm. So that's present tense. You have eternal life right now. So this is probably the kind of concept that you're sh- sh- referring to here, Blake, where Jesus says you have eternal life right now. He says this. Now watch this. He has eternal life and notice in that same breath, I will raise him up at the last day. Mm. Now, let me point out the obvious. You can't have a resurrection without having a death. True. Jesus says, you have eternal life and I will raise you up at the last day. In other words, the promise of the resurrection is so sure that it is counted as a present mm-hmm. reality. Yes. It is counted that you have eternal life right now because you have the promise of the resurrection. Now, the promise of the resurrection, of course, comes with the reality of a death. Mm. You can't be resurrected unless you die. Mm. And so that's what Jesus means when he says you have eternal life right now. Mm. You have the promise of the resurrection. It is so sure, it is guaranteed. You can count that as eternal life in the present. Mm. And the lie of Satan in the beginning was, you eat of the fruit of this tree, God said you shall surely die if you eat of it. Satan came and he countered it. He said, you shall not surely die. So that was in regards to the tree, blatantly dis, you know, contradicting what God had warned them of and what he had said. Mm -hmm. Um, And Hmm. yeah, so he contradicts God there and says, you will not surely die and gets them to believe his word. This kind of goes into another question that we have uh, from one of our listeners. Um, And I I think it ties in well to what we're kind of talking about. So I'm going to ask it now. It's talking about Saul. So the question reads, how do you then explain how Saul was able to communicate with the dead prophet Samuel? So, Because we're, we're making some pretty clear distinctions here that you can't have life again without a death. Well, this guy died. Um, and apparently in this Bible verse, he comes back and he's alive. So how do we explain this? That's a really good one. You want to go first, Mark? Oh, I, 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 I heard you breathe. <laughs> it's like, he's ready. <laughs> We're all competing here to see who can, who can answer. Go for it. Go for it, uh, Well, Teresa. there's just a couple of things that we need to put on the table as we consider the verse. So the first thing is there's an interesting um, incident that takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 15 between Saul 
and Samuel the prophet. And at the end of it, because Saul, uh, he actually does what God says not to do and he doesn't follow him completely. But it's interesting. It says in verse 35, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. So that was the last time they saw each other, according to the Bible. But then you come to chapter 28. And this is because Saul was rebelling against God. Yeah. and he was, So God is not speaking to Saul. That's a really good point. And he's not speaking through Samuel to Saul. That's right. And that becomes even more clear. And the Bible just backs that right up in chapter 28, where it says here, uh, he goes to consult a medium. And it's interesting. Just pause real quick. What, what is a medium? Just so we're all on the same page. Someone who communicates with the departed loved ones or the dead. Well, claims okay. to communicate. So with someone the dead. claims to. Someone who claims to yes. communicate with the dead or yep. the departed. Okay. And uh, this is what it says concerning this visit to this medium who claims to, to, who, to communicate with the dead. In verse 6 it says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. So God was, Mm -hmm. he had means by which channels, by which he would communicate with his people, but he wasn't. That's Bible specifically Mm. says he wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing it by the prophets. Wasn't doing it by the prophets or by the Urim. Samuel Samuel had been a prophet, prophet. but he was dead. That's right. So God is not communicating by the prophets. Yes. And then it says here, um, in verse 15, now Samuel said to Saul, so she supposedly conjures up the dead Samuel, the dead prophet Samuel. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? This is what the apparition of Samuel says. And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I've called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. So there's a bit of a contradiction. He's almost like answering himself. Like the prophets aren't talking to me, so I'm talking to you, a dead prophet. And And it's interesting too, as you read the woman, the medium, here in the chapter, she was afraid when she found out who Saul was. You're the mm. king. Why was she afraid? Because Saul had rid, got rid of all these people who were communicating, mm. mediums, who were trying to communicate with the dead because God had forbidden it. And mm. there are multiple texts we find in Leviticus it's and Deuteronomy long. where God says, you have nothing to do with it because mm. it's dangerous. Mm. So it'd be like the prime minister or the president, you know, banning something. And then going to that person and saying, hey, guess what? I need you to do that very thing. Mm. Yeah, she would have been afraid, I think. Because back then, they didn't just have jail. They just And it was banned because God said it was banned. Mm-hmm. Right. So God's not going to work through a medium that God has banned. Mm. That's, that's it's not going to be God point. speaking right here. Mm. I find it also interesting that they never saw Samuel. Yeah. Samuel was never seen. Mm. You know, nobody even that's recognized right. Samuel. Because in verse 13, it said, The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw gods coming up out of the earth. Mm. And Saul said to her, what does he look like? And she said, like, an old man comes up. He's covered with a mantle. He's covered. You can't even see who this is. And Saul's like, it must be Samuel. That's right. Right. So he makes up the story in his mind. He makes up the story in his mind. Mm. And the other question that goes through my mind is this. If Samuel is coming up out of the earth, what is Samuel doing in hell? Ooh. The righteous prophet. If, if Why wasn't he coming down, down from, from heaven? I never thought of yeah. that. That's a great point. Yeah. If hell is even a hot spot in the yeah, middle of the earth. If, yeah. you know, if, if hell is even a hot spot under the earth, if you're believing in the immortality of the soul, he's either going to be coming up or he's going to be coming down. If he's in heaven, he's going to be coming down. If he's in hell, he's going to be coming up. What's Samuel doing there? Mm. Right. And, and why would you listen to somebody who came up? Mm-hmm. 
So the whole, kind of the whole story is just thrown off the rails, basically. Well, actually, that brings me to my point. I actually want to share with our listeners here. If you have questions about hell coming up from below or coming from the top there, we got this book, Draining the Sticks, which actually takes a mystery out of death and hell by Sean Boothstra. You can get a copy of this book. Oh, I love the, I love the zoom-ins. I'm going to hold it to the side this time here. Okay. <laughs> Text 705 to the number that you see on the screen, 0428833386. You can get a free copy for yourself. So Draining the Sticks. This is a really good book, and I want to encourage you guys to text in to get your free copy as well. Now, I have a follow-up question for what we were just talking about here. This just came in. I'm going to bring it up on the screen because I think it kind of connects with what we're talking about. This is from, ooh, I'm, I'm going to mess their name up and I really apologize, but it's maybe Huvalin Magbanua Brennan. I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best here. Here it's up on the screen. It says, I have a brother-in-law who one time became critically ill and unconscious. When he regained consciousness, he told us that he saw his deceased mom and dad who told him to go back to earth because his time to die had not yet come. Question, what can you say about this? Once again, we can say what the Bible says. Mm. And and I guess my question to the listener really is, are you going to go with what the Bible says or not? It it, it really comes down to being that simple. Mm. Now, we know that these kinds of experiences can come through a whole range of different reasons. And we looked at how that they can be drug-induced. And you can certainly see your parents. When people are under the influence of drugs, they can see their parents. They can travel through the, through the tunnel. They can go to the other end of the light. They can see all kinds of people. They can see, see people that have passed away. Um, this can all take place within your mind when you are being affected by drugs, mm. uh, either through uh, hospital-administered drugs or natural if you're close to death, or just recreational drugs. You can have exactly the same experience with recreational drugs, as we talked about. But we know that the devil has gone out as a roaring lion. What is stopping the devil from trying to deceive people like this? Mm. We would expect that Satan would contradict what the Bible says. It makes me also think, too, that there's such a push in our current culture to do drugs, to, to use substances that take us out of our right mind, and I'm starting to think maybe the devil has a plan to do that so that we're out of our right mind. So we have these experiences that then he can say, well, that contradicts what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And then he can ask the question, hey, are you going to trust the scriptures or what you have experienced yeah. yourself? Mm-hmm. So I guess it comes down to like, are you going to trust yourself or the scriptures? Are you That's going to trust right. your own experience? And, you know, the Bible says in First John 4 verse 7 that God is love. Like his character is a character of love. And if you think about it, every teaching that uh, contradicts what the Bible says is actually painting a picture, if you think carefully about it, of a God who is not loving. If that man's parents, and we want to speak compassionately because we know when people have these experiences, they feel very, very real. And so we, we recognize that. And they can be experiences that people hold close to their heart even. Um, but when the Bible says, as you've heard in the presentations very clearly, that the dead know nothing, that they cannot return to their house, they cannot communicate because they know nothing, they're not conscious, for us to believe that they are up in heaven, we might like to, and I know people, I have family members you know, who have told me, oh, I just really love the idea of my loved one looking down on me you know, and, and uh, seeing me and, and cheering me on through life. And you know, that's nice when things are going okay. But what about when you get hit by a car and you become a paraplegic? 
What about when, you know, their grandson gets abused or murdered or like, would it be heaven for them is the question. And when you think about it, everyone who dies being unconscious in a sleep, not knowing anything, not looking down upon the suffering and the misery of this earth, that is truly the very best way. Mm. God is a God of love. And the way that he's done it is actually the most loving way. Will all who have accepted Jesus be resurrected when he returns, go to heaven together? We'll all be in heaven by his grace, but no one is going to get there ahead of us, as it were. Yeah, I definitely remember when, when my dad passed away and we were at the funeral and everyone was talking to me about, oh, he's in heaven looking down on us. And I was thinking, that's weird. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. And it kind of started me on this journey to start figuring out like where is he right I want to know where he is right now mm-hmm. so that's a interesting question I've got it I've got another question here that this this is a cool question um, it's kind of complicated but I'm gonna put it on the screen here uh, this is from Adrian Payet. now I think it's gonna come up here it's a, it's a big question Oh, but you can't see the whole thing. It says, I have a couple questions. When I was younger, about eight years ago, I had an extreme fascination with dreams and decided to study dream psychology. Over time, I learned how to control my dreams, and I also learned how to interpret them. I just wanted to know, is that spiritualism, and was it wrong for me to do that? Is this from Satan? So that's the second question. And then the last part here, I've had a whole lot of dreaming experiences which have all come true, and about four years ago, I've been trying to get away from all that, but it always comes back to haunt me. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. A A, a dream that dreams and experiences like that that come back to haunt you Mm. are not Mm. from God. Mm. God is not into the business of haunting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about, and I don't have the references on hand. Well, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about the busy minded dreams that we have when your mind is still going. And we know there are dreams where, that God gives people at times. You know, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel. Um, I've had a dream that I knew God gave me to be of encouragement at a certain time in my life. And I know others who have as well. Uh, but then there are dreams that Job talks about being nightmares, really, that are from Satan. And, um, you know, I've never actually thought about people who've, and I've not heard of parrot, you know, certain types of psychology where you can control your own dreams. But I do imagine that it would open up to like it's not normal it's not natural in a sense um and it's interesting adrian that you've said that you've tried getting away from that you know you've distanced yourself from it so it sounds like you sense that it's there's something wrong with it and it doesn't mesh with you know your your christian walk um i would encourage you to to continue studying god's word continue clinging to him and there's a verse in psalms i think it's um one of the first psalms psalm Um, And actually, there's one early on in Proverbs as well, Uh, Proverbs 4, 26 and 27. Maybe we'll just go there. This is of encouragement, and at times that I've not been able to sleep or I've been trying to go back to sleep if I had a nightmare on the rare occasion that that would happen. Um, It says in Proverbs 4, 26 and 27... Sorry, that's not the right reference. I know it by heart, but... Ah, yeah, sorry, 3, 20... 24 through 26, it says, You will lie down and will not be afraid. Um, Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your foot from being caught. Mm. So I just want to encourage you, claim this promise. And there are many more in the Bible that promise sleep when we lay down and we trust in God. And he wants to give you good sleep. David also talks about how when he slept, his heart communed with God. And so 
you know, I believe that God can in somehow even be communing with us and sort of instructing us in some way, even if we don't remember the dream where we essentially um, are unconscious and are asleep. We can still trust ourselves and our minds to God as we sleep and pray for his blessing as we do. Mm. I think it's important to remember that just because something comes true doesn't mean that that's from God. Mm. Because Satan is well able to make things happen that he has impressed upon our minds. And if Satan was not able to make things happen, then clairvoyants and psychics and mediums and so forth would be out of business. Mm. The reason they're able to stay in business is because things are able to be said and then Satan is able to follow up with manipulation. And so, you know, if you look at how God communicates to people with dreams, um, you know, people who, who God regularly communicates to in a dream is somebody that we call a prophet. And, you know, God will you know, speak to us at different times on different occasions. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But generally speaking, if this is a regular thing, and prophets don't become prophets by sitting down, analysing their dreams, manipulating their dreams, experimenting with their dreams. These are people who have a call from God. And even, you know, for instance, when... Uh, Justin, when you had a dream that, that where, where God came to you with a message, this wasn't you experimenting with your dreams and trying to come up with interpretations. No. This was God just you know, speaking and presenting a message. And so this is not something that we control um, or we influence in any way. This is something that comes from God. But God bless you, Adrian. Praise mm. God. We, uh, we're, we're coming to a close here. I'm, I'm looking at our time. We're running out of time. But I want to do a, a bit of a lightning round, okay? So there's a double question here. I hope that's okay for you guys. So I'm just going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to put one up on the screen. And uh, it is from Priestly 77, Revelation 6, 9 to 10. Who are these souls? We also have another question. What are the souls under the altar in the book of Revelation? Are those connected? Same question. Same yeah. question. Okay, yeah, I thought question. it might be. So I just wanted to know, what are, what are we talking about when we're talking about souls under the altar in the book of Revelation? Mm. Yeah, so Revelation, it says in verse 1 that uh, God gave it to, to Jesus. Jesus essentially gives it to his angel, and his angel presents it to John. And it's sent and signified, it says, by his angel unto his servant John. The word signify is signify. The root word is sign. And so God puts Revelation, the book of Revelation, and all prophecy in signs and symbols. So we have to keep that in mind. There's symbolism here. And if it's not symbolism and if it's literal, we can't take part of it literal and the rest of it figuratively. And often people do that when they try quoting this verse as the reason um, that people are alive in heaven. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. So that's the answer to one of those questions. Who are these people? Those who'd been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Now, if these are literal souls of people, disembodied spirits, why is God keeping them under an altar? If they're in heaven, like, why are they stuck in this one physical (laughs) location, right? Awful. So, obviously, there's symbolism here. Symbolically, God has taken record of the people who've been wronged, his people who were killed for their faith, and he, as the just judge, will eventually avenge. Kind of like um, Abel, who's killed by Cain, And God comes to Cain and he says, hey, your brother Abel, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. Mm -hmm. It's not literally crying out. Blood can't speak, right? God is figuratively saying there is judgment that is coming upon you because you've killed your brother for no reason. There's a couple of other points as well. There's nowhere in the passage that says that these souls are in heaven. Mm -hmm. The Bible says they're under the altar, not in heaven. Hmm. Interesting point. Now, um, clearly these are souls of people who have been martyred 
And so that's going to be the altar of sacrifice. There's no altar of sacrifice in heaven. Hmm. The altar of sacrifice of the heavenly temple is here on this earth. These are souls, these are people who have been martyred, who according to the Bible are actually here on this earth. Hmm. They're not in heaven. Hmm. Okay. Another, another thought too, just, just coming into my mind, is the consuming desire of these souls. Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for your enemies, do good to those that hurt you, and their consuming desire is to be avenged. You know, imagine being in heaven and the only thing that you can think about is being avenged and the only place that you can go is under an altar. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not, this is symbolism right here. I think we can all see that. Yeah. So I want to, we've got to come to a close here, but I want to give just 10 seconds, uh, maybe even 30 seconds to you guys, to our listeners who are really struggling with, with loved ones who have passed away. What words of encouragement do you have when it comes to death? Because I know I've personally felt the sting of death in my life. And then the Bible talks about that, that sting is taken away. How, how can you comfort someone who is really dealing with that, the grief and the, the struggle of death in their, in their life or in their family experience? Yeah. First uh, Thessalonians four sixteen through eighteen talks about the second coming of Jesus, which is the blessed hope, where our loved ones will be resurrected, we'll be reunited with our believing loved ones. And the last verse, verse eighteen, says, "Therefore, comfort one another with these words." Mm. Yeah. And so, looking forward to the blessed hope of Jesus' return, you know, that is what can cheer us. It's what's cheered me when I've lost loved ones and when I've been. Tempted to be discouraged, I look forward to that day knowing that we're going to be reunited. So go to the scriptures for that comfort. Absolutely. And look forward to Jesus' second coming. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. Did you, you were, you were right on the tip of the tongue. Nope, you're good. Okay. I just want to say thank you for sharing that encouragement. And those, it's interesting that that verse that you read uh, tonight, Justin, is the very verse that they read at my dad's funeral. Mm. And it, it helped me on that journey to realize and to know uh, that there is hope after death. It's not the end. Um, uh, it's the end of life in this capacity, but there is a resurrection coming and Jesus is coming back uh, for us in the future. And so I'm really excited about that. If you have questions about whether uh, or not there is life after death, hell, if you have questions about what happens when a person dies, text 705 to the number that you see on the screen, 428 Look at that little zoom in. I'm going to duck in here, right here. Check it out. Get this book by Sean Boonstra, and you can unravel some of the mysteries around death uh, for free. All you got to do is text in that number. Thank you so much to our listeners who took the time to send those questions in. We hope that this time has been helpful, and we've got many presentations uh, happening uh, next week. I think our next one is actually on Monday at 8 p.m., Australian Eastern Standard Time. I hope I said that the right way, but just look up the time in Sydney. That's the time at 8 p.m. And that is going to be available on YouTube and Facebook. And I believe Lyle will be presenting that as well, too. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we also want to remind you as well that on Tuesday, we have our friend Kathy who's going to come and share her testimony um, I believe that's also at 8 p.m. as well, too, and you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, she was previously a clairvoyant, uh, and she has become a faithful follower of Christ. 
and you do not want to miss that journey. It's a pretty incredible journey, and we want you to uh, be able to hear it and to be blessed from that story. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Justin and Sharissa and Lyle. I hope you guys uh, have been as blessed as I have. I got some uh, some of my questions answered. I know we've got some questions answered on Facebook, on YouTube. And I'm looking forward to doing this again, I think, next week, too. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's next exciting. Friday. So we'll see you we'll guys see you on guys Monday there. at 8 p.m. Do not miss out. And here is a little a little uh, teaser that's coming. Oh, wait. We have an email. Uh, I don't know where the email is, but if you want to send in an email, can we put that up on the screen? Not sure if we can do that or not. There we go. Uh, get access to everything that we've been seeing, uh, the N.Digital, and you guys can see the previous episodes to help answer some of the questions that we've had so far as well, too. Check that out on YouTube or the N.Digital. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next week, Monday, 8 p.m. we got a little teaser trailer uh, to share with you about what's uh, going to happen next week as well, too. So check that out. I don't know if I do this button. There we go. Yeah. Satan will go through and he will attack your family. Um, he will attack your children, the ones you love most. He will find your Achilles heel and he will work it. Um, some people will not come out the other end of it. It is not worth the risk. Uh, and it is not a world that you can honestly go through and say you'll get anything good from. Uh, stay as far away from it as you can.